Into the Nexus is a production of AMove.TV. Bookmark AMove TV for other great video games and esports podcasts. Into the Nexus is sponsored by listeners like you via patreon.com slash ITN. Greetings and welcome back, everybody. This is Into the Nexus, a podcast all about Heroes of the Storm. I'm Garrett, here as always from the recently released from NGS, Kyle Ferguson. <laughs> ah, finally off the chain. Can say whatever I want about NGS. Ah, no. I, I thought you were going to say, I can say whatever I want about uh, uh, Cavalier guests' opinions, which are right, usually. Uh, but they're technically right. But <laughs> it's the best some, kind of right. Yeah, it is the best kind of right. But sometimes it takes execution to pull them off, as we learned with our 36% win rate over the course of the season. I do not blame him, by the way. I blame all of us. We didn't practice at all. It was actually a really good time. And I appreciate all of my team for being uh, so willing to work within my schedule, as I was kind of the restricted one for that. I had a wonderful time with NGS. It's nice to take my little heroes vacation this week. I was. Just playing completely casually, nothing serious, nothing to work on, no homework in mind. Just uh, we had we had some really fun uh, times with Malfurion and Illidan, so some Storm Rage Brothers, some Storm Brothers. It'd be Storm Rage, yeah, yeah, and the Storm, the Storm Rage Brothers. Uh, it's the so Bros. rare that their last names come up. It is. It's true. He's shirtless, right? Malfurion, he just has a big beard. It's just big beard. I mean, doesn't he have like a harness thing? He's got shoulder pads on. So yeah, maybe he's got kind of a He-Man thing under there. Yeah, let's see, Malfurion. No, not actually. He doesn't have shoulders, Kyle. It's very exposed shoulders. He has bands around his arms holding on giant wings. Oh, I think I'm a little confused with the Druids of the Claw. Which he is. Sort of. He turns into a bear occasionally when it fits the lore. Yes. He ever turned into a cat? Not that I'm aware of. And he also attacked as a bear. He did attack as a bear. Which means he was in the wrong spec. Because technically then he was tagging for Taranda. (laughs) I mean, he could have been. He should have been a cat. If he was going to be attacking anybody, particularly at night, it was a stealth mission, right? He was like attacking a, a caravan moving through the night. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I've got beef. I've got beef with that. But yeah, he has his armbands. He's so jacked, man, that like he's over leveled. So he just goes in the bear form just to style on fools. He's also got like Wolverine blades. Yeah. Malfurion is a mess, frankly. <laughs> and he I, is among my least favorite characters. And he is the leader of my favorite race in World of Warcraft. He for me, is in the master skin, the multicolored master skins riding the Tiger King mount. So I make sure he is an absolute just disaster of graphics when I play him. <laughs> That's a good way to do it. That's a good way. To, I enjoyed. I enjoyed playing alongside your, your Malfurion recently on Illidan, as you mentioned. It was a good time. It was a good time. Uh, that was a that was a rough loss that particular game, but it was a very fun game and it was very close. Although you had a spicy opinion during that. Actually, I don't know how spicy this is. 
I think it's decent. It's, it's decently spicy. I don't. Um, one pepper on the side of the menu. It's not much. One, one pepper on the side of the menu. Okay, yeah, because we we got Braxis, and and y'all, dear listeners at home, Kyle. It's been a little more common lately, but for most of my life, Kyle, it's hard to pull non-positive opinions out of Kyle. He likes to be a force for construction at the worst and positivity at the best. But we see the Braxis loading art and not even half a second of that visual being on screen. Kyle just like declares they need to remove this from quick match. I think so. I think it's a highly dependent draft map. And I think that Battlefield of Eternity allows for interesting strats. And even though like you may like, I'm not talking like, like, like quick match, like comp wins. Cause the, the battlefield of eternity center is such fun chaos. It's like cursed hall in that way. Like no matter what you get, you can always try to defend more or find someone on your team that can solo burn. Like maybe it's your Tychus or a Kerrigan or Gazzle. Like someone's going to be solo burn. You could sort of deduce in your head who that is. But on Braxis, you got, you got like this required solo lane that you really can't break out of because it takes a very, very exact composition to run two, three. And in fact, that's something that uh, Reddit was really talking about this week is the solo lane dead. They're seeing a lot of Nexus league teams in the Nexus gaming series. So the highest league people storm division and, uh, and Nexus would be right below that. I was in heroic below that running two threes or double soaks. And they were basically asking, is the bruiser dead? And everyone's like, no, we people, the meta at home doesn't update that fast. And frankly, a bruiser is just so safe in the off lane that that's what you're going to put there. Cause as a highest chance to survive, whatever tomfoolery may be unleashed upon it. But, I've run with Cavalier guests like double support Kyrazim off lane alongside maybe a hogger or even you might run like Cassie up there with that Kyrazim. You might even circle around a Hanzo with a Zera tool and try to like force them out. There's so many cool things you can do in constructed draft environments that make those two lane maps more interesting. But Brax is just so tight. And there's so room for error on that map that I think, yeah, I think I think it would benefit from being just removed from quick match. But I have no problem with. Uh, <laughs> I've got no problem with Battlefield Eternity. I, I personally have a long lasting, very meh opinion. I don't like meh. Like, I, I do not like that, like late 2000 expression. But that is that is the feeling in my heart for Hanamura when I see it come up. Meh. Yeah, just just personal, like slight disappointment. But I understand, you know, you got to take out the trash. You got to mow the lawn. Like, you know, sometimes you got to pay some taxes and sometimes you end up on Hanamura. Like, it's just I like fighting the samurai camp. That's yeah, that's that's kind of fun. That's that's my favorite part of any Hanamura game. The payload idea. Is not as fun when you can't when you can't climb on top of it or be hide behind it. I think that I think that the payload and we're now seeing even something like Final Fantasy kind of embrace like a, a payload mode and payload modes are ending up in a lot of multiplayer games. Does PvP think, count in Final Fantasy? 
Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. The whole <laughs> mode is, is new over there. Everyone doesn't know what to make of it, and the rewards are great. So it's, it's chaos over in that game environment. But I think that the payload slightly hovering in Overwatch, allowing you to fire underneath it at the feet, the ability to hide behind it for cover, the ability to stand on top of it because you felt cool, but you totally died or put a gun up there. Like there was a lot of dynamicness in the Overwatch payload that is entirely lost when you treat it as a mobile delivery device. And I think we need a different mobile delivery device. MDD. I think we should. Is that taken by something else? Let's double check. I don't. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Pun- I don't want to punch that into my Google search. I don't. I don't know what that could possibly be. Uh, I mean, with none of that, but we'll, we'll, we'll workshop it. We'll MD squared. Yeah. yeah it, it's. It loses that dynamic quality that I feel like Overwatch brought, and putting toes in the zone isn't the piloting kind of feel that that had back in the day. Hmm. I you can compare it because you have the other game to compare it to, but if if this was made in a vacuum without Overwatch to compare it to, I don't think we'd be having this discussion because that those types of things like elevation changes and whatnot aren't really discussed in MOBAs. Obviously, it plays a role in like Dota and whatnot, but completely different as to what you're talking about here with the payload. So I, I, I don't. My brain doesn't go there at all, if I'm being honest. Um, I think no, it's already I, interesting that that heroes like Li Ming have a leg up on Hanamura because they can fire over the payload. I think it does bring its own level of intrigue to the MOBA form of game that it is now existing in. Um, it's just the, the map overall is just not all that interesting. Like uh, I go to a place where it's just like, is it just is it just a boring two laner? Braxis or Hanamura? Hanamura. Because I think of um, I think of Alterac Valley and just what a extremely interesting battleground that is in in Heroes of the Storm. Like just in raw layout, if you just think of the layout of that map and all of the nooks and crannies and places there are to get up to fights and some hijinks, it's really interesting. Hanamura, it's like the opposite to me. It's it's very straightforward and claustrophobic in an unfun way. There's not a lot of room to sneak around and get up to that quick match weird that you're feeling. And I do, I I know I go through this experience where I'm going to be like, all right, let's play some, I'll use your kind of example, Illidan. Let's rock some Illidan and then nobody soaks. So your brain goes, okay, I've got this Nazebo. And you end up on Braxis. That that exchange back and forth of what kind of map you're going to get is very chaotic for a quick match. And really, is there any, is there anything wrong with it sensing heroes and putting them on particular maps? I guess you'd increase queue time ultimately. Cause I, I'm trying to think of the negative, not I'm trying to think of yeah. the positive, not the negative, right? Cause oftentimes we think about map bans and saying, no, this hero cannot go on this map or no, I do not want this map. What if we did it the other way? Like if you picked Rexar, you had a higher chance to end up on Hanamura or Braxos. Oh, you hover over hero and underneath it, it's like this hero's map pool. Yeah, or like the preferences, like, you know, the, the weighted preferences. And ultimately, there's no overall chance you'll get that map. But the chance of getting Butcher on Braxos is reduced by other heroes having higher preference 
all, all in the positive is my thought here. Yeah. I, again, I, I started to think about like, I, I like, I sometimes enjoy getting bad maps for the hero I'm on, but it, that's usually more as a result of the other team also got a janky comp. So we ended up with a rather even game. It's, it's when one team gets the, what you would have drafted if you were drafting comp and you get the, you know, Nazebo and Abraxas game comp that you go, oh, this is the pits. And you, you're, if you're like us, you start thinking about, oh, how would I, how would I make the, ch- how would I change this game so that this wouldn't happen? And I so, did ban Braxis for our entire NGS season. <laughs> I, okay, Kyle. Well, uh, we now know you have a bias. You just have it out for Braxis. I do. I do. I, I, I do. It feels bad to lose there, but I really like the Zerg wave. So, you know, I'm, and I like the half-life scientist talking in the background. Like I kind of, I kind of dig those elements. Why were both um, our Starcraft apps? So polarizing. Mm, that's a good point. When was Braxis made? You know what? I'll take them over both Overwatch maps. Hold on. My Vol- brain is breaking. Volskaya. There's two. Oh, Volskaya. Right. <laughs> that's the other one we banned every single. I didn't play that in NGS either. I haven't been there in so long. <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah, it is, you know, and we just we just did not want to play there. I love That's the pad funny. fights on Volskaya. Like I'm almost like, can we just just you, you get the pad and fire some shots at the core? Let's stop getting fancy with the with the stupid with the stupid trick love. I want to see this. Uh, so Braxis was released. Oh, wait, these some of these are the like lost caverns and holdout. We don't want holdout, right? Oh, gosh. This is where I get confused because there was that other Braxis that came out. Hold on a second. I'm pulling up a list for you. Okay, it's Braxis Holdout. Braxis Holdout. So that was 2016. And now I need to find Justin Browder's Wikipedia and see when he left the team. I think he was gone by then, wasn't he? Oh, I'm on. This is German. How did I get on German Wikipedia? <laughs> Send your Wikipedia tutorials to itncast at gmail.com. DuckDuckGo is failing me. I, I got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll find out eventually. But I'm just curious if Dustin Browder, you know, not being a part of the team, uh, was a catalyst for Braxis and, and Warhead Junction sort of losing their more StarCraft feeling identity. I mean, I think they're StarCraft. They're pretty StarCraft feeling to me. In 2017, Bradder was assigned to a lead developer role in the StarCraft first person shooter named Ares or codenamed Ares. However, in June 2019, the project was canceled and the staff was moved to other projects. Ooh, I want that game. Yeah. Would have been fun. Wouldn't fun. So looks like uh, here is the storm. He left the position in December 2016. So he would have been around for Braxis. Okay. That would have been under his tutelage. Warhead Junction, though, would have been flying free in two. No, that's the most recent update. That doesn't seem right at all. Uh, oh, it's also 2016. Okay. Yeah. So Braxis was in 2016. It'd be September, and just two weeks later, Warhead Junction came out. Wow. It was a big StarCraft event, remember? 
Yeah. We got all yeah, the skins. We got the splash screen. It was great. I really liked the StarCraft event. But Warhead Junction didn't, it never landed well. I actually, yeah, I, again, thinking about it now, I, I like Warhead Junction now. I think I still prefer Braxis, but Warhead, the tunnels really helped with Warhead Junction. Like big time. Man, Alterac Pass is a slam dunk, though. It is a fantastic map. It is one of the best battlegrounds in the game. And it launched pretty well, too. Like it was, yeah. it was good out of the gate. They really, they really hit a home run with that, in 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 my opinion. Damn, that's a good map. I know. We need to keep so going because now I just want to go play Alterac. Yeah. Oh man, man, that makes me really. That that makes me me pine, pine for possibilities, pine for the past as to what could have been after Alterac Pass. If the lessons of Braxis Holdout, Warhead Junction, Hanamura, some was seven months later. Volskaya five months after that. And then the next year, about nine months later, was all track pass. Save us, so Microsoft. The lessons learned. Yeah. Well, that, that, it, <laughs> that's an interesting conversation if you want to get into that part of today's show. I do. I do. First, I want to thank our lovely patrons, though, for supporting us over at patreon.com slash ITN. We are not a new show. Uh, we, we have been here a long time. I like to think we're still sexy. We're like a fine wine. I think our sexiness has gotten even sexier as time has gone on, but we're not new. I agree. So we don't have that big push, that big windfall of new patrons that come with announcing where you now have a Patreon, everybody. Um, so you now we're here to remind you every week that uh, this is how Kyle and I pay the bills. And if you like what we do, you like our content, you want to support us, check out patreon.com slash ITN. And uh, just before the show, we got a new patron and I want to thank Gabriel Radu. Terrence Sue is how I'm going to choose to pronounce that. I hope I didn't do too terrible of a job, Gabriel, but thank you so much for signing up and becoming a patron. Enjoy your perks like access to our discord and uh, joining us for our game nights. If you uh, need any help getting set up with the discord, just let us know. You can message us right there on Patreon or honestly just tweet me or something. Help you out with that. But uh, speaking of save us Microsoft, I need to like do a clip with, uh, uh, Talladega Nights of Sammy Tom Cruise, but you know, like cut that out and then added Microsoft at the end of my best Will Ferrell impression. It's it not be, a good yeah, impression, by the way. No, well, what exactly is it? Just screaming? He's yelling, Save me Tom Cruise, because he's like, No, I, I know, but you know, Will Ferrell. Wait, Will Ferrell? Who did you say? Will Ferrell plays yeah. the lead in Talladega Nights. He plays Ricky right. Bobby. If you're not first, you're last, Kyle. I would struggle to believe anyone could do a Will Ferrell impression unless their voice already sound like Will Ferrell because Will Ferrell's voice is just his voice, but screaming. That's fair. He's just yelling all the time. That's fair. Which, which, you know, I, I like Blades of Glory. I think that, you know, I've, I've, it was, it's been like seven years. So, you know, I can't I can't speak to <laughs> the freshness of that particular film. But and Elf was OK. I watched that this Christmas. It was all right. You know, Elf, Elf was all right. Though um, the dude made a really weird Santa. Was it the dude? No, that was another Netflix movie. Oh, my God. I'm just like scrambling all you my, are my Christmas movies. such a dad. <laughs> At any rate. <laughs> yes, in much less fun news, um, we've got an update on the Activision Blizzard lawsuit stuff. Um, and it's not great. So, it seems there may have been some uh, 
some inside dealing happening in the background. This was recently broken by Jason Schreier over on Twitter with Bloomberg about a California lawyer quits over allegation of Newsom's meddling in the Activision case. This is the governor of California. Uh, Gavin Newsom. I'm not a California local, so I, I don't hear the name much. And you get very different results depending on what you look up about him. So we'll, we'll sort of stick to the topic here at hand. Basically, the quick rundown is that the California governor began to interfere, quote unquote, with the Activision suit. The office of the governor repeatedly demanded advance notice of the litigation strategy and of the next steps in the litigation. As we continued to win in the state court, this interference increased, mimicking the interests of Activision's counsel. Now, there's no official word whether or not here Newsom has directly had money, though it is proposed and the money trail seems to be building that Activision Blizzard, as a California-based company, was funding the political election of Newsom in the past. There may have been money traded hands to support him. Therefore, he had a vested interest in Activision having the smallest fee possible. So Newsom here has uh, been attempting to protect, is the words in the article. And thereby, we've had a lawyer step down in order to draw attention to this meddling that's been going on. Yeah, it almost sounds like they noticed it, brought it up, and was told to like be quiet about it. And they're like, all right, I'm out. Yep, I'm out. They are under certain protections about whistleblowers in the state of California. So currently, they're not under any direct trouble for doing so. But quitting these, this case is what allowed them to get the attention to call out this particular uh, problem that was developing. This comes after the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission charged Blizzard 18 million. Now, this is a very small sum compared to the 100 million that Riot had to pay in a very similar lawsuit settlement in the past. So when we sort of compare what happened with Riot with the, what, a, a, a 20th of that? 18th of that, actually. <laughs> yes, out of 18 out of 100 is an 18th, yes. But what Blizzard paid, it seems to connect the dots that the California governor was meddling in the case and making sure that fee was as low as possible for his buddy Activision. God. <sighs> so we got some, 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 some shaking of hands, some grease in your pockets, whatever your phrase may be. There, there seem to be lots of... I like of to call it co-ticking. There's a lot of yeah. co-ticking going on here. There is a lot of co-ticking. Uh, in particular, this brought to light something a lot of us missed back in February, that Bobby Kotick in November or so was like, if I can't fix this problem, Activision Blizzard, I will step down. And everyone went, no, surely not. <laughs> don't, don't do it, Bobby. So the shareholders were basically like, oh my goodness, we have to incentivize Bobby to do this. How is he going to fix the company? We love Bobby. He makes us rich. And so Bobby said, don't, don't worry, everybody. Don't worry. What I'm going to do is if by July I can fix the company, I'm going to pay myself $22 million in stocks. So I need, to, I need to properly motivate myself to fix my own company here. And yeah, it was a $22 million incentive if workplace conditions, I believe the quote was, sufficiently improved. 
that it's a little nebulous, but Bobby is. Hey, man, listen, age. when you're having one of the greatest sexual harassment scandals of all time and have twenty two million dollars dangled over your head, the last thing you want is measurable progress. In writing. I am being sarcastic when, if you if that's not yeah. coming across. No, I, I think it's coming across, but important to, important to note here because the the outrageousness of this ongoing story is what's giving us the giggles, not particularly the facts inside. The with the lawsuit settled, which I believe I saw in the news was about four hundred, like nineteen dollars per person with a case of blizzard. It was less than five hundred bucks per person yeah. that was that was involved like that was involved in I, I guess I don't I don't know what you call it, like the list of people who were harassed at their time at Blizzard, which is just ridiculous. And also like God, I completely forgot about the Riot Games. So it was a settlement, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, it was a, it was a settlement for a hundred mil, which for these companies, that's nothing. No. The, no, it, I, I, I get. I would be impacted more if I got a speeding ticket for like how much I make to what a speeding ticket costs. Like, this is an absolute drop in the bucket. And so for 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 Activision Blizzard and everything we've learned about this about this lawsuit for the settlement to be eighteen mil and be like, yeah, hey, everyone, uh, if you were, you know, hey, did you get harassed? Did you have a terrible time? Did like here's here's four hundred something bucks. What the hell? When that settlement hit, Bobby was basically looking at the 22 million saying, I got this. And there have been some advancements like they recently got their head of uh, their chief diversity officer in place. This is Kristen Hines coming over from Accenture, which I'm not really sure what that company is. I'm I'm unfamiliar as well, but yeah, I remember reading about this and a lot of people seem happy about this. Yeah, it seemed like a a really good advancement there and a great hire for the company. So that that 22 million is already basically in Bobby's pocket until this now came out. And that's why this is trying to be pushed to the forefront. However, the community at large, and we'll say just the blizzard at whole community of game playing patrons, the spenders of money are seeing everything blizzard does right now is trying to push the story under we know that from you know uh, from actually talking with people who are part of marketing or social media managers that all this stuff is often planned out far in advance so for instance yesterday overwatch released a video about a short little like animatic kind of video about their upcoming new character but this happened some five hours after the news broke on the jason stryer article And so everyone sees kind of Overwatch as trying to like smooth things out. And there is more and more news releasing by Activision that seems like it might be trying to bury this story. That's very much an audience looking on kind of through line that's happening right now. But as the as the weekend goes on, you're going to see this if you look at Twitter, you look at any sort of social media that people are trying to re bring up and keep in light this governor scandal that's going on. Anytime Blizzard tries to bring up anything about their games, otherwise, <sighs> yeah, it's um, I I I I've never really bought much into releasing game news to detract from like lawsuit stuff because the people that were the Blizzard employees that were protesting were were developers. They were people. They were actual Blizzard employees, and there have been multiple walkouts. Like I don't buy that for a second. Um, like we're just, we're, we're in a period where there's a lot of news coming out of blizzard that is actually game related. 
like they're going to announce a new WoW expansion next week. They just had a Hearthstone expansion. There, um, there's like an update to Diablo two. At the moment, like there's just a lot of stuff happening. Like I think in the wake of the Microsoft acquisition news, like there's this like there was a bit of a, a, a positive swell of like, okay, we can start to put this behind us because we know in a year's time, Bobby Kotick will be in the past. I don't think anyone is stoked thinking about how much money he's going to get if he gets the, you know, leave of his own volition, but still it's, um, to me, I think that's just, that's just all, that's just all timing. Cause I also, I don't think it goes the other way either. I don't think, I don't think Schreier or Bloomberg is holding on to these stories going, let's wait until there's a big piece of blizzard, stuff coming out it's like I, I think you know if you have a story like this you probably want to get it out as soon as possible so and it's uh, an interesting uh, it's just timing there's always going to be news coming out of blizzard right and it's very easy to connect the dots and you know make morales's win rate look great on certain maps like we can all kind of pick <laughs> and choose information and 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 warp that and so but what you what we have going on in the consumer mind right now is this this conspiracy that's kind of developed that Blizzard's trying to bury their news. A huge amount of the community wants to prop up this governor news and say, we need to relook at this. We need to reopen the case. The settlement wasn't just, and it was a corrupt action that happened here. But at the same time, another huge amount of the community is saying, just just let it, let it go because we want the Microsoft deal to go through. This is our only hope. And lots of people are really scared that this, reopening of the scandal is going to cause Microsoft to back out. That's a little weirdly selfish to me. It's just like, I, Oh no, I just want my good games. Can we, I, can we I, go? I, I agree. Has anyone agree. asked the employees what they want? They probably want to make good games, but also have the justice. Done yeah, for what I they mean, when through. the settlement got announced and, and, and a lot of us were kind of looking at it going, this ain't enough. Like the conversation started to turn to like, well, to a certain point, it's like, do you hate the player? Do you hate the game? Like it's not to hand wave anything, but I kind of expect giant, massive corporate conglomerates to act in the best of, in their best interests. I don't expect ABK to go, oh, 18 million seems a little low. We're going to volunteer to pay a lot more and fire Bobby Kotick. no chance in hell. So like, I think it, to me, it makes sense that the conversation around the settlement turned to, well, like maybe we should look at our legal system. Like maybe it's not the best at actually getting justice for marginalized employees of these massive corporations. Like, and so that's where my head goes at least is just, yeah. And, and that's ultimately the sad part about this story. Like when you really get down to it, that the, the person who was removed from the the lawsuit and the subsequent leaving of the case to draw attention to it were people who were called bulldogs in that industry. They were people who had done a lot of good work for the Department of Fair Employment and Housing and had pushed a lot of good agendas there to make sure that that organization was properly pursuing the right causes. So now that government litigation has lost those champions in that way as they tried to draw attention to the wrongdoings going on at the agency. Well, I was already looking at the settlement being like, well, that's bullshit. Yeah. And now this. So, so it sounds like it was. <laughs> it, actually, it actually was bullshit. It was le- legitimate, like legitimate, yeah. like actual conspiracy. And and I know, and I, I do want to like, 
we love getting personal on the show and uh, we've had a, a phenomenal time covering heroes and talking about heroes for a long time. The reason I, I bring up people and audiences reaction, because I, I want everyone listening to this to know what's going on. I know that in, in modern, in modern news coverage, there's a lot of people and, and pers- uh, are, 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 are angry. The public is angry. Which public? Who, who are these people? Just if you wade into Twitter this weekend, this is what you're going to see. These are the two big sides arguing. Yeah, I think it's solid. Like, because we're, we're those people too. <laughs> like we have, we have feelings, we have reactions. And it's easy to wade in and misspell your and get dogpiled, you know? <laughs> yeah, listen, dude, I had opinions about Moon Knight last night and um, yeah, yeah, I got ratioed as they say. I, I saw, I saw the ratio. I saw yeah. the ratio. Yeah. Don't, if you don't like something from Marvel, it's probably not worth saying it on social media. Mm, that's why I've been keeping my Attack on Titans opinions of myself. I mean, that was never good to begin with. So, uh, mm. you know, at me. That's a bit, that's oh, yeah. a stupid. Anime. Add Garrett first, and then uh, tag me later. It was the one of the ugliest animes I've ever looked at. It's just ugh, ugh, ugh. It's like looking into an open mouth. I guess literally, you're looking into an open mouth sometimes in that anime, aren't you? I digress. You want to talk heroes? We do have a correction in the chat that I think is worth covering here. The EEOC is federal, not California. Uh, had nothing to do with the initial $18 million settlement. That's an interesting oh, oh, so bit this of this. Is, oh, interesting. So, oh, so, so perhaps. Uh, so this is the, the DFEH shape. lawsuit we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. So those two will not be conflated together. Oh, so the fact that it was just mentioned in the article just to give frame of reference, it wasn't linking the two. Right, right. So all the same, regardless of the governor's interactions, the federal body still charged Riot more than they did Activision, which I mean, if we want to say maybe this goes even deeper than the governor, then. Oh, that's why they brought up the EEOC, because they were doing a direct comparison to the Riot game settlement, which was. Right, which and then this could go on, and this could go on to affect the ongoing still local level. Oh no, Riot was also DFEH. All right, well then this this article is confusing. Yeah, apparently, 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 yeah, because DFEH hasn't reached an agreement yet. I believe so. And the EEOC thing also kind of made that murky. We talked about that a while ago because there's yeah. If EEO, like there, there was stuff, there's like clauses, like once the EEOC thing is like settled and done that they don't have to hold on to evidence for that, which we talked about months and months and months and months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a mess. Anyway, we can talk heroes now. I, I, at this point, I just want consequences for Bobby Kotick. That would be nice. I'm not saying we should march him down the street you know, and ring a bell and say shame. Although I would like that, but yeah. Game of Thrones reference, everybody. Uh, speaking of things that used to be high quality. Um, <laughs> Choose your next words carefully. What, what are we going to talk about? Uh, no, no, no. I was, I was just talking about like the, just in general, the fall of the uh, ABK. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you, I thought you, 
I think you're about to say our emails are up next. So it's like, no, no, no. These are good emails. I want to do these emails. No, no, not the emails. No, the emails are fine. The emails are fine. I just, I was just trying to put a, put a bow on that. Um, no relation to that whatsoever. After this terrible segue, let's take some emails. Darkness stopped calling. Darkness just texted me. It's not a moment. It's a hero brother. You ready, Kyle? You ready for this? I'm ready. ITNcast at gmail.com. Send your emails there. If you're supporting us on Patreon, write us there. Also, you can like tag us as well. That's something you can do if you want to get our eyeballs on something in the, in the uh, Discord. Uh, Workwar wrote in and says, I enjoy Alarak quite a bit and uh, it was cool to see his mini lightning build revival, but was thinking about the comment last week about tweaking him to be somewhat of a tank leading into his fantasy as a sadistic bastard who sacrifices his allies for power. Here's my idea for sadism additional functionality. That's a good lead up. Every ally death should increase Alarak's max health and reset on death. This is in addition to default sadism functionality, which basically stacks his damage based on damage death of enemies. Uh, in theory, this can turn him into something tanky or bruisery uh, and allows for decisions to let allies die to stack your own health. Numbers can be adjusted, of course. What are your thoughts? All right, I'm, I'm getting to Alarak here. I'm curious to see his talent, which is pure malice. Increase sadism by 10% anytime an allied hero dies up to 40%. And sadism as a trait is that a repeatable quest takedowns increase sadism by 3% up to 30%. Sadism gained by takedowns are lost on death. So our idea here is basically that max health is also increased in addition to this. Does that work? Does that work against the idea, though, that to reset him, you have to kill him? If you well, make him more if, if tanky, still resets on death. Oh, that okay. I'm sorry. Well, he he said in his mind that it would still reset on death. I didn't I didn't know what you were talking about. So you're saying just the fact that he'd be harder to kill. Yeah is is a is it a design error to have a quest talent of sorts that makes you more tanky, but every time you die, you lose it. It's a resettable so, quest, right? Like in that way, it's it's like um. That murky talent I like. Living the dream. I'm going to go look at the gamble talents or um, loan talents here. Didn't Johanna have one or am I crazy? Uh, resetting talent? Uh, a gamble talent. Uh, renamed loan talent. Or was it a loan renamed gamble? It was gamble? a loan re 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 renamed a uh, Gam is it Gamble? Uh, let's, let's find I don't even remember now. Stitches definitely has one second helping Gambit. Gambit talent. Gambit. Thank you. I'm like, a Gamble doesn't sound right. So it, for Stitches, second helping, Devour gains one additional charge with a six second cooldown between uses. Gambit, if Stitches is at max health after using Devour, he gains a shield, and that shield goes down based on how many deaths he's had. So that's an interesting one because... You have to be at max health, so it's sort of this element of pre-choosing or bonus health that you're getting from it, not overall health. So that's merely my my design concern. 
if if I was looking at this math wise, I think I would want to avoid making any talents or abilities where it's reset on death, but you become tankier. Now the question to me is, I I, I now want to go see what Rexar has because Rexar has got a quest talent that gives him a animal husbandry. Rexar and Misha gain 2% max health every second. Rexar remains alive. These bonuses are lost on Rexar's death. So that would be the closest to this. Yeah. I think it's like a lot of people just don't take these talents. Like animal husbandry. I mean, it's technically the second most popular, but honestly, everything that isn't hunter-gatherer has an abysmal pick rate on Rexar. Yeah. You run a pure malice, and pure malice is straight up the least picked in the in a horrible win rate. Absolutely horrible. I'm sure. Well, I mean, it's it's to me like a you're losing talent, a panic talent, right? Like you see your team dying all the time. You're going to take a talent to take advantage of that because you're losing. Yeah, probably doesn't do too well. This, though, I mean, what Warcrawler is suggesting here is a like a bacon, right? This isn't a talent. This would just be adjusting how sadism functions. So, I mean, we don't need to worry too much about pick rates there because it's not something that's going to be picked. Uh, I could see a I could see a place where it's balanced. It's just a, like how much health, right? Like how much health we're we talking about here. I love armor. Like I know that uh, would cause the exact same issue, but I think armor is a very very cool thing that is a little underutilized since we went through the the are you gonna say armor get in yeah oh ooh, yeah i was gonna go with armor apocalypse but um that was uh, like the hgc draft incentivization where we were all of our very unique. well we the heroes devs were very hot on armor for yes. a while there and it was neat, but it was a really weird idea, ultimately. Uh, does sadism uh, increase... Takedowns increase sadism uh, gained... And sadism... Ability damage and self-healing increased. I'd be really curious to see if this af- could affect auto-attack damage. Because Alarak has a rocking auto-attack. It's just so dangerous to go in and use it. But when you slap something with that Alarak auto-attack, it's pretty beefy. <laughs> So if we're looking at buffs, you know, maybe maybe keep the squish, but allow him to land an auto attack every once in a while. And that would actually incentivize the few auto attack talents that are throughout his kit. They're just so dangerous to use. So health is probably the better way to go about it. I would I would personally be way more interested if he got a point of armor per sadism, but that's broken and probably worse than the health thing you're suggesting. It'd be harder to balance too if we're working with whole numbers if we're doing health we can do percentages and we can really fine tune it yeah if we're thinking about like what knobs we can give it to turn this is an interesting one warquar it's a fascinating puzzle and it's not the would you rather have a bigger gas tank or better mileage kind of question this is a legit puzzle and I think I'm coming around I'm liking it I'm liking the idea of Alarak just being able to participate as a melee body because he is a tax on the draft in that role. You think Akira, that thing's going to be going. Illidan even, like those are both like just sources of chaos 
that are at the very least going to buy a fight time. Alarak is one and done. If he misses combo, he's dead and it's over. Mm. By the way, always better gas mileage because weight savings. Weight savings? The lighter cars are more fun. That's why is I have no a- interest in EVs. Wait, wait, why is it called weight savings? If it's a bigger gas tank or better gas mileage, a bigger gas tank would make the car heavier. Oh, you just mean like, that's not an actual phrase. Did you make that phrase up? Or is that like car community people talk in weight savings? Oh, absolutely. Oh. Huh. Yeah. To a memeable degree. I'm happy to go into this uh, in a deeper degree in the after show. Batteries weigh more than gas? Uh, Way more. Huh. EVs are the heaviest cars being produced that aren't like, you know, crazy utility trucks and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Remind me of this in the after show. I'll, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll let you know about the, uh, the, the car. If you're an, looking at enthusiast cars, you, you have, you have options and it's like, you can have this or that, but you can't have both. And hmm. it gets into that. Hi, I'm a car nerd, everybody. Anyway, moving on. Scoobs wrote in. Simple question. Scoobs, I want you to know we we banked this one because it's not because we had to think about it. <laughs> what are your top five most fun talents in game? I'll give one. Headshot, the level 20 for D.Va. When you combine it with pew, 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 it results in some devastating burst damage. And so this is a really good example. Yeah, it is. It is an extremely good example. Uh, not a complaint, by the way, but this is not a simple question because like this is not something I can answer at the top of a hat. You just go, what's, what's your top five favorite most fun talents? I'm just like... <laughs> doesn't come no up idea. a lot. No. It doesn't come up a lot. I blue screened. This was in the show last week, and I'm like, nope, we got to pause. We got to save this one. I didn't look at it ahead of time. Um, but yeah, uh, you, you give one and I'll give one, Kyle, and we'll just go back and forth. Okay. Uh, I think so. We'll, let's have our talk first in no particular order, and then we'll choose our top of the top. Okay. It's done. Okay. So I'll do one. You do one. Uh, I, I will start with Cassia's 16 static electricity gain two additional charges of lightning fury and fence impact launches lightning bolts toward each nearby enemy hero. This is the first time you can actually fend in the entire game. You should never fend before that unless like they're (laughs) getting away with one health. It's absolutely detrimental to Cassia to ever fend at all. But these additional lightning charges get you stacks of your level one. So you got dings just flying wild. There's shots raining all over the enemies. It is just such a fun power spike. And if you got to level 16 with a lot of stacks in tow, you're that much better. And you just immediately hit the ground running. This is my favorite power spike maybe in the game. Shows you how much I play Cassia because I didn't even know this was a thing. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a very, very, very big thing. It sounds sexy. That's why I hate it auto sounds, attack build. It sounds nowadays. sexy. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, well, we'll start with just one of my favorite heroes since you started with one of yours on Rexar. For me, it is an absolute toss up between Beastial Wrath and Frenzy of Kalimdor. Okay. Okay. Just I, like, just I like, just, I, I really like, and you might find this as a, uh, theme with my picks here. I really like doing the things I already do, but better. Hmm. Like just empowering sure. base level things that my hero does. Um, and, I tried really hard not to pick heroics, but Bestial Wrath, uh, I really like a lot. And I'm mad because it just it's almost never right to take it. Almost. Yeah. You know where I love taking it though? Praxis? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it makes makes winning pad fights solo a lot easier. Overall, through like MMOs, RPGs, do you find yourself liking 
a buff that gives you 20 seconds of increased percentage damage? No, I find it horribly boring in MMOs. Okay, okay. So not not an overall rage fan. I when it's temporary, I, I'm just like that sucks. Like, <laughs> the hell, yeah. And, and and dear God, if I have to activate it and it's temporary, you just designed I think the most boring talent in the game. Like I take Blades of Azanoth on Illidan in this game, but I hate that talent. That is probably mm. a, a top ten worst talents for me. It's a boring button to press. Do not want to have to activate that shit. I really don't. I understand within the confines of how you can design talents. It's a good, it's a good talent. I take it almost all the time. I think it's one of the best talent on that talent here. Um, but it does not inspire joy. So, so why, why beast your rat then? Because that's inactivatable for 12 seconds. Costs you mana too. It makes Misha bigger uh, and looks cooler. <laughs> okay. Okay. So maybe because it's like outside yourself, your 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 proxy is empowered. And and, and in the realm you. of a MOBA, I just need to win this fight. Like I, it's Braxis, it's solo, 1v1, top lane to win the pad. I just need to kill that bastard. That's fine. If I'm doing a long ass boss fight in an MMO and I got to hit a button for 20 seconds of something on a three minute cooldown, and I have to think about it again. I'm annoyed. That's interesting. Okay, I, I totally see how 12 seconds in a MOBA feels like a whole team fight, but 12 seconds in a MMO is disappointing. We're in the science of fun now. Five minutes left. We're yeah. in the science of fun. It's fun in a MOBA because I think in single kills, it is not fun in an MMO because I, because boss fights go on forever. Yeah, right, right. You're going to activate that once every minute, even, even on 30 second cooldown, you're just thinking about the 18 seconds you were enjoying mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Frenzy Kalimdor is, yep. is what I like it because it's just I'm just better now. I'm just I'm just yeah. a diet Zuljin. Enjoy everyone. I see that. I, I totally get that. All yeah. right. I will I will bring up a, a moldy oldie one that has been celebrated for many, many, many years on this podcast. Domination Diablos 16 casting over power resets the cooldown of shadow charge. It is just a delight slamming people, the double walls, the sidestep, just the pinnacle of Diablo awesomeness. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. I'm gonna go with a hero that I don't play, but is in that realm hammer. Like when Scoobs asked this question, hover siege was the first thing that just jumped to the forefront of my mind. Cause I think it's just such a good example of what's being asked here. And, and I it, like what you're talking about there with Diablo, like that just, it just makes him so much better while also being fun, right? Like it makes you more effective and it's fun. And this is this is about like top five most fun, right? Like, well, you know what sucks about hammer sitting still. <laughs> you know what fixes that? Hover siege. Just a fun talent. Yeah, yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so it makes me think of domination in that way. Domination is such a good answer to this. Oh, domination so fun. I would say that my next answer is more along this lines of like not necessary, but just plain fun. Dead Rush. Nazebo's level seven where the zombie wall gets up and runs around. It deals 100% more damage. It's great for camps, but like you don't need it. It's just fun. Mm, this is a good one. And you're actually you're making me rapidly go. And um, I'm going to change one of my answers out, I believe. Okay, it's fair. Yeah. You know, the, the the fun is on. I think Dead Rush is particularly fun in Quick Match, where you can get to level twenty with your vile infection, and the zombies running at the speed they do, getting a slap out and applying that 
vial infection is just delightful. Mm. The delightful bomb to drop on the enemy side, and it makes farming so easy. I'm with you there. I, I'm I'm with you on Dead Rush. I'm I'm surprised this didn't jump to the forefront of my mind because it's uh, I, it's one of the main reasons I don't play Nazebo because it's not usually the right talent to take. Playing Nazebo right is does I don't love. I don't love the quote-unquote meta in Azebo builds. Oh, yeah. I love my messy, ugly, quick match in Azebo. Mm-hmm. I'm not really interested in playing in draft environment. He's for the chaos and the sweet ice blocks to get out of the chaos trouble. For the chaos. Uh, I've got another level 20 here for you. You ready? Bring it. Gazlo's Bomb Toss. Okay. This is one of the best talents ever made in the game. It is game-winning. Yes. With the... The surprise factor it brings. And even when it isn't, it is so satisfying to watch those bombs split off of your initial bomb. Hold up here. What? Oh, I think I'm just forgetting. Gazla's a melee assassin now? Tech? When was when was that? That I, I feel like I feel like I should know this. Now you're making me go to the official site so I can see the so, sorting here. Because did he become a melee assassin during his rework? And then we, his rework was so good, we all ran him in the solo Wait, lane. No, he, I believe, is considered a bruiser now. Okay, maybe maybe Hero's Hearth website just has it, has it wrong, and he was upgraded to bruiser. He is a bruiser. I, I thought so. He is officially a bruiser. Okay, okay. So Hero's Hearth uh, just needs a little update. That's okay. That is all good. Yeah, bomb toss, bomb toss. Yeah, that, that Gazlo's rework games. is one of my favorites ever. Gazlo and Sylvanas reworks are two of the greatest updates I think this game has ever seen. You're hurting a lot of people with the Sylvanas comment, but I agree with you. It's safe. So, me, hey, I man, I'm, 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 I'm throwing so many stones this week. Moon Knight sucks. Uh, Attack on Titans, one of the worst animes I've ever seen. And Sylvanas before was overrated. Yeah, yeah, uh, get that ratio over there. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to sit in a lane by yourself and not contribute to anything towards a win, uh, there's plenty of other heroes you can pick. At least Sylvanas now wins team fights. Participates, looks cool doing it. I love new Sylvanas. Yeah, I will. I will head into a dingification. One, how could I not? With Tychus's in the rhythm, just quest. Minigun basic attacks increase the length of minigun. Just ding, 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 ding. And those long fights where you just just completely solo that backline, Sonya, after you've gotten 100 dings during the course of a game. Mm. Hmm. I think we have slightly different definitions of fun, but I, I can't really argue with that. Like, Because I also do really like that. But it's more like, for me, like what's fun about that is just hearing the dings. It's not actually like what's happening in game. It's not the mechanic. It's just the noise. It's, it's very me, satisfying. It, it's like making your own pizza. You know, you, you cook the cake. You made, you baked it. Excuse me. You're not cooking with it. You're baking. I mean, if it's Napoleon it tastes, Dynamite, you're making it. It tastes better because you're the one who made it. And that Sonya kill is all the sweeter because, you know, that farm you do over the course of the game made that kill happen. So all those fantastic dings along the way led to this delicious moment. All right. I've got one more level 20. Okay. I like 20s, Kyle. Sure. Sure. They should be bombastic. Yeah. Taronda's shooting star. Free lunar flares. Yeah. Unleash it. Yeah, Plus you get a basic attack range increase. It's like a twofer. 
This is one of the cool. This is one of my favorite level twenties. Like you get to stand back further and you get free stuns. You get free rando stuns. Like, yeah, sign me up. What's not to love. I think this might be my favorite talent in the game. This next one. Oh, this next one, not shooting star. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to be like, cool. I'm glad I was so right that, uh, I, I've got an extra one in here for you. No, no. And I'm going to, I'm going to also go for a 20 on this one. Butcher's slaughterhouse. The land for the slaughter now chains all heroes in range. The, <laughs> the hunt aspect of this, like no matter how far you are behind, and you've spent that whole game maybe being the use, most useless butcher on the planet. But if you can just land one of these, and it's not like Mosh either, where you go, oh, I did it. Now everybody do something with it. Like you, you can do something with it. Yes, you are the one in there. And I take cleave for this too. So you're the one in there with just something <laughs> slam and slam and slam and, and it's splashing everywhere. And you it is the most Dota moment there is in this game for me. It is it is the time. When you can carry this game. That's a little hunt for me. So yeah, I'm with you here. I'm with you here. I need to try this butcher build. I don't love slaughterhouse. Cause to me, butcher is a kill one person thing. So slaughterhouse is just like, I don't want another person here. That's going to turn and damage me, but you do, you do kill one person, but you're splashing onto everyone around them. And that's, that's the fun of it. That's what I'm saying. I need to try your build. Cause I don't play that. Yeah. build. I normally do like a, I normally go like with the kind of hamstring talents through the majority of it. You know, of course, sometimes you need that meat shield and all that sort of weird stuff, but it's the cleaver at 13 basic attacks deal 35% of the butcher's basic attack damage in area around it. That makes them all stuck there together. So joyous. Mm. Mm. All right. My final one. You made me change out one by, by reminding me of Dead Rush. And it reminded me of one of my other favorite Dead Rush adjacent talents, which is Jailers on Zool. I hate that blue build is so good. <laughs> I do not want to go blue build, but I love playing Zool. And I also like winning. And I also love not hearing my teammates yell at me the entire game. So I go blue build. I don't want to do it. I want to go skeleton build. And Jailers is what makes Skeleton Build go. It is the, if the flux capacitor is what makes time travel possible, Jailers is what makes the reason Zul was made in the first place go. Man, yeah, that's just a sad reality of life right there. Like, while Zul was underdog and nobody cared, we were all for fun. Not me, I can't speak for anybody, but you and I were running Jailers in quick match because it was just fun. It's just fun to have lots of skeleton. All skeleton build, man. It's my favorite. Yeah. Just, yeah. But now you get in there, you're going to do skeleton. Everyone's like, ooh, Zool, you're such a good hero if you just did the real build. And then there'd be some moment in team fight where you'd totally survive and win the whole game. But, you know, they're killing the fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm, just, I'm here to, we're headed, we're headed to have fun, aren't we? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. All right, Kyle, what's your favorite? Well, you got you to pick one. Yeah, I, I, hmm, it's a it's a tough choice, honestly. Because um, Butcher's Slaughterhouse is Butcher's the one that if I was having like four friends who have never played this game before, 
that's the one I would be like, watch this. That's the one I would be like, <laughs> I'm going to, whatever happens in this game, we always have a chance. Tactically, execution wise, power spike, uh, Cassie and Diablo right behind that. So I, I, I got to go to a slaughterhouse. It's just too, it's mm. too good. I think Hover Siege is the poster child. I think if I'm just thinking about like what makes talents fun and talents being fun, I, I, I think if I like, if we had to vote on it and like give someone a trophy, I think it goes, I think Hover Siege is the correct answer. But, but for me, it's Bomb Toss. I love Bomb Toss so much. I never, I never don't have a smile on my face when I have this talent. Yeah. Yeah. You like, you like taken and then that, I think that is really fun game design. It works in Dungeons and Dragons. It works in MMOs when you get to select or augment something and now passively through gear bonus talents, what have you gems, you are now better in an interesting way. That's not just stats. Just better now. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. This is a fun question, Scoops. Even though I had, you know, we had to save it for a, a week where we had some time to think. I really like this question. This is fun. Thanks for sending it in. Anyways, if you want to uh, be a part of the show, write in. You got some thoughts. You got something you want to uh, throw into the bucket. Send it. ITNcast at gmail.com or write us in our patron discord if you're supporting us over patreon.com slash ITN. And that's going to wrap it up for the podcast this week. Speaking of which, if you want to support us, Patreon's the best way to do so. So please go check it out. Patreon.com slash ITN. We really appreciate it, everybody. Huge thanks to our producers, Sean B. and Mike R. Other than that, you can catch us live Thursdays around 3 p.m. Eastern time right here on twitch.tv slash amovetv. You can follow the show on Twitter at ITNCast. And you can find Kyle and myself both making Final Fantasy XIV content on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash amovetv and check out Grinding Gear. We just broke down the latest patch that just dropped this week from the perspective of new players. And there's a lot of stuff in the patch that is making the game better for new players. So go check out that out but besides that kyle where can folks find you you can find everything i do over at kyleferguson.com certainly want to point you towards grinding gear the youtube channel there but also there will be dungeons the live play DD show will be back this weekend there's streams over at twitch.tv slash kyle ferguson which will fire up once uh, with ngs done now I'm taking a little break there but gonna be back streaming next week so i'll see you all there i'm garrett art on twitter Amove.tv for this and every other show that I produce. Really just, yeah, just check out the YouTube. That's the big thing. It's more Garrett and Kyle. What more could you ask for? You like this? You like that. <laughs> you like this? <laughs> Enjoy. It's going to wrap it up for this episode of Into the Nexus. Until next week, good luck and have fun, everybody. Take care. Take care.